0: This week on FX Guide TV,
1: we have an exclusive tech preview of Hero, the Foundry's new conform and pipeline tool.
2: Hello, I'm Angie Dale, and welcome to the start of our IBC coverage. Well, it's no secret that the origins of FX Guide are in compositing. All of the founders come from compositing backgrounds. And so you can imagine just how excited the boys were to get a sneak peek at the new workflow tool from the Foundry.
3: Well,
1: thanks for that, Angie. I'm here in Paris getting custom to jet lag, or at least that's the business reason I'm using for being here. But I did take the time to take the Eurostar over to London for the day to check out Hero, a new product from the Foundry that's coming out before the end of the year. Now, as you mentioned, Mike, Jeff, and I have all have a background in compositing. A lot of commercials where one of the big hitches was getting from that offline stage and prepping for effects and finishing. And that's where Hero fits in. I sat down with Matt Pleck and Bruno Nicoletti to find out more about the product.
3: Hero is designed to solve a problem. I mean, visual effects, it's a visual effects tool. It's a, it's a production management's wrong tool name for it. It's, it's a conform management tool for visual effects. Nowadays, visual effects are very rarely done with one guy on one one application doing everything those days were kind of gone even even in commercials what you get is a bunch of people working together that makes a big problem is you've got a bunch of new guys using Nuke a bunch of guys using Maya a bunch of guys using Mari a bunch of guys using Photoshop whatever else all doing do, doing this work it's how do you get the shots to the guys how do you get the shots out to them how do you find the right shots to deliver to them or if somebody read it's a timeline that which all these shots are coming from. What do you do? How do you get it out to them? How do you identify? That's, that's the problem Hero is designed to solve. And to do that, it needs to do basically three basic things. First is it's got to conform. It conforms from EDL and XML into a multi-track timeline, so you can see what the footage is, and sort out the conforms, because conforms always, always go wrong. Next thing it does is it plays back that timeline, scrubs back and forth. Any file format that you can support, it supports. And the third thing it does, the important thing it does, is it round trips those shots to VFX. You've got this conform timeline, you've got the selects, multi track. you say, okay, get these selects out to those guys to do their stuff and bring those shots back in once they have worked on it so I can see and review and iterate that, bring new versions and do that version management. So it's, it's conforming, it's playing stuff back, and it's round tripping to visual effects with version management. And that's, that's really what it's about. And that's a real problem everybody hits every day.
1: All right, so that's an overview of Hero. Why don't you uh, walk us through
0: some of the features uh, through a little demo for us. Let's have a look, so it starts up nice and fast. Everybody always likes that. makes a big point of that with Nuke, so we're trying not to forget that. Um, And kind of familiar UI, so tabs, panels, kind of thing that people are used to from Nuke and Storm and and other applications. Um, So hopefully it comes in, it's kind of nice and friendly to start off with right off. And we're trying to also kind of be aware of the um, the, the desktop, the other applications um, that you know just work with your machine the way it is. So I can go through the Finder here. Um, let's go find my project here, and I've got some um, an EDL here. I can just drag and drop it right in, and then I get a dialog asking me for some defaults in case that can't be worked out from the file, and then we get our EDL. Um, one of the kind of I think unique things we're doing with this is we just build the timeline right here off the EDL and give you a kind of spreadsheet view of it. So we're not going into like a, um, an import wizard or a separate process or module or something where you do your EDL importing and then you get a timeline out of it. This is just a view on the timeline. So any timeline, whether it comes from XML, EDL, um, whether it's just generated by you cutting some stuff together, you have that spreadsheet view. It's just another panel that sees the timeline. Um, and then that way, you can, as you're kind of working through your, you know, fixing up your conform, if you have problems, you can edit things in whatever way it's more convenient. Do I want to, you know, change numbers manually typing in time codes, or do I want to come down to the timeline and use the editing tools? So we've got the standard slip, slide, roll, um, trimming, you know, moving cuts around, cutting um, stuff. So um, once I get the EDL in, next thing I'm going to do is. Set reference media. So let's just go get um, my reference clip. In this project, this was actually all done in house at the, the place that did it. So, um, as, as far as I understand, because we never got a, a separate offline with the edit that they gave us. Um, but we have this animatics, we'll just use that. And now that pops in as a, an extra track down at the bottom. And as we talk to people about how they worked, they're kind of this kind of common workflow of. Well, I, I import the EDL, then I go through and I add a reference track, and I put the offline in the reference track, and I go check my EDL and my conform to that. So we kind of tried to um, make that just, you know, like one button click part of the process, make it really quick and easy since everybody seems to work that way. Um, so we get our reference track in, and now if I go looking at my timeline here, I can see there's my you know my um, EDL, or my, uh, my animatic clip here. and. I can go, let's say I want to trim off the beginning of it for instance and kind of come back to the beginning here and find that frame and I'll just grab this and trim it back and then move that over. You know, So just all the kind of you know, simple editing stuff. You see different parts of the clip here, I've got, um, you see the handles highlight down over at the end there and that, that gives you um, like a, a view of what your handles are, what kind of room you've got to trim on there. <clears throat> um, next thing I'm going to do is actually match up the media, so I want to conform the um, DPX files that go along with this, the original source footage. So, we get that and now it's gone through and found uh, a bunch of these and we can see that there's uh, a yellow warning about time code on some of these and if I go through, let's see, my first one is BR01, I can go into my conform bin that's got all the clips that it found here and let's see, I'll just filter that down to BR and there's BR shot one I can grab the metadata for that and take a look here and see you know, everything about this clip. So maybe I can kind of deduce why it hasn't matched up properly. And you know, as not surprisingly, time code is off. So the, the little time code warning here was telling me the time code is off. Um, and I've got a zero, 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 000 time code in the file, but the actual EDL starts at one hour. So taking the kind of spreadsheet metaphor, then I can just shift select a range of clips and do a minus one hour and then now everything's green good to go time codes match files match and we start getting stuff in the timeline so I can turn this on and then now we've got our actual cut here and we can then start going through and you know shot by shot comparing to our reference Um, to kind of make that process easier we've kind of got a bunch of comparison tools in the viewer and one of the cool things that you'll see is there's a little tag here and we're going to use that in the process so if I grab um, my timeline, put it into my B input. So I've got the same thing in both. The, the timeline is in the A and the B inputs of the viewer. I can show these stacked vertically, horizontally. Um, if I've got them in a stack, I can turn on a wipe and let's see. Now they're, let's fit them both. So right now I'm just seeing the same thing in both, so we're not seeing anything in the wipe. What I can do in my controls here is say on the A side I want no flags and on the B side I want the reference media only the tracks that are flagged for reference media, and that can be any tags I put on those tracks. So now I've got this. um, Let's refit those, and then I can kind of swipe back and forth here, and kind of either do you know with a split wipe as I go through my shots, checking these out. Um, This is kind of a fully like you can just grab the handles on this and move it around. Um, or I can go to like a a side-by-side view which is probably more useful for this and we fit those guys and then just step through looking for problems with my conform and tweaking the edit you know whatever I need to do with you know either in the UI with the kind of trimming and tools or back up in here by adjusting time code directly manually or you know speed ramps and stuff like that.
3: Um, One thing that Hero does is it it doesn't own the media there's no frame store attached to it it just looks at files on disk, and you're telling it those are the files I want to conform, and we conform those files. Those are exactly the files we play. Those are the, exact, the files, exactly the files we deal with. We're not owning any of the media. One of the key design decisions for the hero was we don't want to own the media. We want you to own the media. You just tell us where it is. So a whole part of the conform process, and we go into the round-tripping later on, it's just, oh, media's there, I'll deal with it. For the downstream, we say, the media's there, go, go find that media that I've told you where it is. So we
0: It's not It's not an import, it's, you know, we're kind of differentiating saying ingest, because you're just telling us about it. And, and then we're not actually going to you know, duplicate files and take up a lot of extra space for them.
1: Okay, so there are a lot of things that people can do in an offline. Let's talk about the features that you support in XML or EDL. Uh, first off being, what, what type of speed changes do you support?
0: Um, basic speed change, uh, like a, um, not ramped or not, uh, not on a curve, not animated constant speed change, um, fade in, fade out, and dissolves. Um, the speed changes, We'll get into um, getting these, this stuff out later, but um, you know, we have some options for how we deal with the speed changes when you're kind of sending it on, whether you want to send on original ranges or you know, um, retimed ranges.
3: One thing we do need to be able to do this is, um, timelines can be any resolution, but you can put any clip on that timeline, so you can put a 2K clip on a HD timeline, what do you need to do so we'll give you the ability basically this position it's just straightforward yeah. you can have like just center or three size to fit or whatever or you can be able to pen and scan it so that's the other thing yeah
0: it's, it's an important yeah, thing that, that, that it is a resolution independent you know it's like looking at what our new customers do there's footage coming from everywhere and you can't It'd just say everything it. has to be a certain format or you can't put it on the timeline um, you know you just got to deal with it <laughs> basically i mean it does mean especially if you're starting doing some larger resolution media, you need the bandwidth.
3: You need a big computer. You need fast network access to deal with that that footage unless you want to do local playback caching. One feature we're wanting to get into 1.0 might not make it is local playback caching. So you say, I've got some stuff sitting on my network. Those are the DPXs I want you to conform, or the Reds or the GoPro media, whatever. We start conforming that and you start playing back. And if you've got a very slow bandwidth to your disk or you don't want to hammer your network, um, we're going to give you the option to say just just copy the files locally for playback purposes you know just transparently do it in the background you, know, you can still scrub through before it's even copied It'll just be slower you get a bit of chunking uh, 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 uh. oh that starts playing smoothly. a bit like New does
0: um, yeah so once we get to this point the next thing uh, you know we got our conform straightened out oh it didn't point out here um, in the stack mode we've got a few different differences onion skin difference in now the kind of stuff just that you need to like you know is this really the same as this um, so the next thing we do, well, once we've got this all set up here, um, we want to go um, get these shots out, exported um, for artists to start working on. So you know, a big part of this is like, yeah, it's great. You've got all this stuff in here, um, but now how do we get it um, actually separated into shots with the right length of handles and the right you know, s- select out of these potentially enormous clips that were conformed in off of maybe the original camera footage. Um, So what we can do, let's just switch over to the um, kind of editing workspace here. We can select um, our project settings, come in here and go to the shot template. And so what we're going to do is we have different kinds of exports. So we could export the timeline just as a big file, you know, as a sequence of frames. So to make a quick time out of it for review, we could export the timeline to a bunch of separate shots. Um, but just like put each shot folder, duh, duh, duh. or we can export it to kind of a complex shot structure. So most people, um, you know, they have a naming convention and a, a structure for things, and a lot of the time it gets built by somebody every job, either running their little shell script that they keep hacking away at, or manually making directories. Um, so what we can do here is set up in here. Like if you if you generate it yourself, fine. Just tell us what it looks like. If you want uh, Hero to generate it, no problem. It can do that as part of the export, but you just need to tell us what it looks like. So we could put, let's say, shot name as a, a token here that's going to be expanded out of the clip that it's trying to export, and then that's going to be the root of, of this structure. And I can add a folder to that. Um, let's call that plates. And in plates, I'm going to put um, an, uh, a, uh, an actual output. So I've got a, it's going to be named file name, and I'm just going to use our SimLink exporter. So this way, shot by shot, it's just going to make those folders and then using the original file name of the media that's in that clip do symlinks back to it. So we're not creating yet more copies of files and are these the same as these and you know, now they're taking up twice as much disk space. So we get those files. Um, now um, we might want to have a few other types of things coming out because we've got some Maya artists and they need reference. So let's make a, a Maya folder and in that we'll put um, let's say the original file name and we don't have the the rest of the export types built but um, we'll have presets for different file formats so you, you kind of set up the presets so for instance I want half res sRGB jpegs and you make a preset for that and then it'll appear in the list here and you can pick it um, and then I might also have let's say a nuke section so I'll put a nuke folder in here and in my nuke folder I want um, renders, so I want my nuke renders to go to this location, and I want them to be named, let's say, shot name, uh, underscore comp, underscore v, and then version, let's say, dot, hash, 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 dot dpx. Then we could do another folder of, let's say, scripts, you can see where I was going here, um, scripts, and put in there, similar, something similar, shot name. Comp uh, v version.nk. And now, you know, pick the type and so do a nuke script export here. And then the great thing with this is, as we're going through shot by shot, doing the export, we can expand these tokens, make these directories, build a little nuke script in there that says, oh, okay, so your plates are here, read node. You know, you're going to have, oh, you've got a reference track. I'll stick a read node in for that. You're going to render the output to this place. Oh, OK, I'll stick a write note in that's set up for that and according to the the kind of template you've set up. Um, And then that way you kind of enforce a naming convention and a shot structure in a way that instead of actually making it a burden to the artists, it's actually a convenience to them that you've already given them a stub script that they can just fire up. They've got their timings right. They've got their read nodes and write nodes, And they can just get to work on it. and knowing this information then as that export goes along we can add a VFX track um, slug in clips ingested from that render location so now we're all set that as those files get rendered out they're just appearing in the timeline because we're looking at a network location they're rendering to that network location you're seeing frames appear in here as they come in Um, so that's you know kind of the whole round trip so get the shots out but also if, you'll, if you want to tell us about them, then we can get them back in as well. You know, kind of preset everything up so you don't have to kind of manually do this process of taking the clips, dragging them back in. And, you know, one by one, slotting them back into the timeline. Getting it wrong. Yeah, getting it wrong and screwing up the timing somewhere, m- mixing up the edit or something. And you might have a forty-five second or a 15 seconder in and in a 10 seconder. And, and we can make it work for all three of those timelines as well. Yeah, so we've got this kind of um, interesting new way of dealing with the clips. So, you know, as people bring back render after render after render after render you're getting you know bins full of renders of different versions Mm -hmm. of things and that gets you know can get a lot to manage and um, you know you want to go back to the version from Thursday and how do you know which one that was so we've got this concept of um, takes and snapshots so we're calling them takes because versions also has the meaning of um, we're doing a French version and a German version. There's versioning on output versus versions of things that you're bringing in on input. So kind of with the production you know, wording of, of a take is another variation of this shot. We've got takes and snapshots. Snapshots are kind of stored on due states. So I've got the state of this timeline and uh, you know, maybe I, I can bring in the timeline, do the import, and snapshot it and then I go start going through trying to fix things to match my offline snapshot it you know I have to tweak something but I'm not sure if the editorial or the clients gonna like that so I snapshot it make my change and then snapshot it again and then I can always roll back that snapshot to be my current state Um, takes are more like branches so I want to do two different versions you know we've got kinda variations on this shot or its Um, you know, uh, as it it progresses, here's the original, here's where we laid in the the graphics overlays or whatever, and I want to be able to swap between those as two different versions. We don't know which one we're going to go with, something like that.
3: A good example where you can use takes
0: is on on ingest. You might
3: have three, you might have the original raw plates, you'll have, say, a best light grade, and you'll have a beauty pass done, because grades happen up front, typically. Um, And you can bring them all in as one clip. Just different versions of one clip, or different takes on one takes. clip, and you pop that on the timeline, um, and then once you pop that on the timeline, you can say which take do you want to be.
0: Um, Matt can probably show yes. that right now because this is awesome. So what we're going to do is we've got let's say shot four here um, that I want. Um, I've, I've, I've rendered out a couple different versions of this from the nuke script that goes along with this project. So what I can do is dig down into my material here and grab let's say, Shot 4 Start, and I'm just going to drag that and drop it onto Shot 4, and it's going to ask me to ingest it as a new take or a snapshot. So I'll just do a new take, and I'm going to call this one Start. I can put some comments in here so I can remember what this was for. And then this pops open my takes bin. So it's just another bin view, but now we're looking inside of that clip at the variations of it. So I've got my my two takes there. Um, I've actually got another one, so let's grab that one too. I've got the alternate version. So let's grab that and drop it on and say new take again. I'm going to call this one Alt. And now we've got three different takes within that bin. And I can right click and select any of these as the active take. So when I drag this clip onto a timeline, which one am I going to get by default? Or double click it to see it in the viewer. Um, But the cool thing is now on my timeline, I've got the, the the clip in my timeline. And I can, in the menu here, just pick any one of these takes to use. So if I switch to start, we get the start version. If I switch to alt, we get the alt version. Um, so as I'm checking things out here, I can play through and see which one, I, which, uh, which one works best. Um, we're working, you know, there's a lot more UI work to be done, but we're kind of working on something a little bit more visual. So uh, you can actually kind of just pick them based on the, seeing the thumbnail here. So if I go up into here, we can kind of quickly pop through these as you're playing through it. Um, so that should make it a lot easier. Um, and then with the Python scripting, you know, we've got access to all of this stuff, so we can add features pretty easily. Like, once I've gone through and picked all the takes that I want to use on, let's say this is the, the 45 version of it, I need to update the 30 and the 15 to use the same takes. So, you know, that's quite an easy thing scripting-wise to go through and say, find every bin that uses this clip, tell it to point at this take that I've set in, in, in this particular one. Um, so. And that's, you know, get the the kind of review stuff that should make it really useful and really quick for people trying to just see what they're doing. You know, they've got all these comps coming and, you know, maybe people are doing stuff in After Effects and Nuke and other applications, bringing it all back together and then figuring out what what do you really have and, and how's it looking together.
1: Okay. So you've done the conform, you've prepped for VFX, you've got the finished scenes with mobile versions back in from VFX, I guess the next step would be getting it out for finishing.
0: Yeah, so that's kind of the next stage, right? You've got to get this stuff onto some variety of other systems in some formats, to um, right, to, to get it to actually do the finish pass. So, um, what we can do is we can export the timeline in a few different ways. So, we looked at the shots way. We can also export just as a bunch of shots to files, you know, just clip, 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 clip straight out and then or you know as a single maybe you want to just burn out a quick time in a certain codec and everything to send to the client for reviews along the way Um, but for the kind of final result we need to take this timeline and do an EDL or an XML that somebody can import further on and the nice thing is now you've done all that hard work of getting that original footage matched back up to the EDL and getting the EDL sorted out and then you've, you've swapped in you know all the different VFX shots we're playing them back. We've got them here in the timeline. We know where it all is, so we can generate an EDL that hopefully is going to conform right into your finishing system without doing the you know the whole process all over again. There having to phone up the editing house saying,
3: "You guys, you lost that clip." For example, like we lost a clip here. Yeah. Um, so without having to, you know, all, all that pain that can take literally days of time just to sort the conform out, which is insane. And that's what you don't want to be tying up your high value finishing system doing. And that that's the wrong place to do it. And you,
0: so do it once. Do it and once. The, yeah, and, and do it once in on a cheaper seat. And yeah. Sort of and we've got um, because the exports are implemented through actually the imports and the exports are implemented through Python. So again, somebody wants to do their own. You know, rather than exporting mm-hmm. it, they're going to f- go tell their shotgun database about what all you know what all takes have been selected or versions of things. Then great, you can script that up yourself and kind of integrate it with your own workflow. Mm-hmm. Um, So this, yeah, we're aiming for like maximum flexibility, but handle the kind of common cases out of the box. We went, it's,
3: Python's really deep in the application. We've gone to Python for a bunch of reasons. One is, it's awesome for doing all the kind of move this file here, find that, change that path name, swap that file name for that name. That's it, it, much easier to do in Python than C++. Unless you're doing like image processing, something that really demands high performance, C++ is not the right place to do that kind of stuff. It's not so accessible. It's, yeah, for, yeah. The,
0: for the end users, they you know what compiler are you using? Uh, Visual C? What version? and blah, all that kind of blah, stuff. Blah. You, know, you don't want to have to deal with that. <laughs>
3: yep. So so for our own purposes, great we can use we can, we can use Python to do this. Cause it gives it real quick turnaround for development wise, but also opens it up for the user, means the user with a degree of technical analysis, can get in here, we're gonna give them the Python scripts for all of this export process and the import and the EDL parsing, that's all Python. We're gonna give it to the users. The user can take that and hack it to do what they want. We're gonna give them the hooks to, just before we start being, exporting a timeline, run this bit. Python, for each clip in the timeline, run this bit. Every time I get to a file, run this bit. While I'm exporting a file, run this bit. After I've done it, run this bit of Python. So you can bind completely within the whole process what you need to do. So that way you can say, you know, Queue up Nuke script to do some weird translation that we don't know about. Queue up something else. Do this. Do that. Talk to the, the product, production management database to say what shots are available. So opening it up as much as possible on import and export, we think is a key value on this thing, making a pipelineable editorial tool.
0: Yeah, and and the actual transcoding and all that kind of thing, you know, is it's not a hard coded in thing here. We're actually doing it through a Nuke. Background render thread. So file formats that Nuke can read and write are accessible through Hero. Um, you, know, you should get exactly the same result because we are using exactly the same code. <laughs> um, and it also you know, th- means things like um, you know, just, just knowing that the image fidelity is there, you know, that it's going full floating point, you know, in the color conversions and stuff like that. You know, you're gonna get that quality. Um, and you're going to get results that are definitely going to load into Nuke because it was written by Nuke.
1: <laughs> okay, and I, I know you're going to kind of say, geez, let's get the friggin' 1.0 out the door. But um, one of the things you can see when looking at this is really cool is the ability to kind of make some decisions and conform and pass them on to finishing things like repo, maybe starting a grade, doing rough comp. Uh, where do you see things going like this uh, in the future?
3: We don't know. <laughs> this, this is the <laughs> honest answer.
0: I mean, I uh, mean... It, a lot of it will depend on what what people want to do with it. And interesting thing is, um, a lot of people we've talked to have been less interested in that end of it and more interested on a whole lot of pipelineable processes that they have to do before they can do the VFX shots. So I need to do lens distortion, undistort on a bunch of these shots and I could go through and tag them with an un- for undistort tag and then have a you know a little custom process that goes through and generates my Nuke script with an undistort and pulls lens data out of you know a, a shotgun or something and all the metadata in the
3: camera file because we support lots yeah, of metadata. yeah
0: so you know and then you know generating those things because there's a lot of this process that, that may be image processing related and stuff like that, that actually is stuff that people aren't thinking of as the logical direction to go, but which is a huge win mm-hmm. for, for the amount of work that you actually have to put through the, through the facility. So um, and then, yeah, there's, there's just- Obvious yeah. bits, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> one of the, we, again, another key decision for putting no image processing in here mm-hmm. is it, screw, it screws up the other thing, which is we don't want to own the data. If we start putting color correction and so on in here, and you're exporting stuff out to Nuke, what do you do? And do you have to bake it? You've got to bake it in. Oh, I've got to bake in that color correction on the clip. All right, so out to the new guys. Like, oh, well, VFX guy says, now nah, can you bring it up two stops? So you bring it up two stops. Got to rebake, resend to the new guys. Yeah. And that that, that that whole process is suddenly scary. I mean, this, we think we've got some clever ways we could potentially solve that in the future with exporting and you know, making things collaborate and knowing knowing how Cyclone's color correction works. And we could write a new node mm-hmm. and rewrite that node. but the, And getting dependencies right becomes suddenly com- complicated. So we thought, we won't go there quite yet. but We're thinking about it. We've got some yeah. Yeah. interesting ways we want to play with it, but it, it, it's actually much more complicated than when we start looking at what it really means.
0: Yeah. I think, yeah, especially for the immediate future, you know, there's so much we can do just on top of this that, that you know, get, it, get it out, get it into people's hands, get, see how it's developing and where they say, you know, what would really make my life better is if I could do this. Yeah. And so some of the stuff that is sort of the, the obvious things to do are, are not the things that actually will have the the big impact on you know where, where you're wasting time um, every day so well, yeah, we have we got to get it into people's hands and see though
1: Well I think Hero is a really interesting product and fills a niche the standalone product hasn't done in the past before of course we use flame and smoke for doing stuff like that But I can't think of a specific software application that does what Hero does for facilities It'll be interesting to see what they do for it with it before the end of the year Now, Foundry's being a bit coy about pricing right now, but I'm sure by IBC timeframe, they'll have a ballpark figure for us, so check online for that. But for now, that's all from Paris, back to Sydney and Angie.
2: And now just a word about our next show. Both John and Jeff are at IBC and recording material as we speak. So our next show will actually go out in just a few days and give you a great rundown on all the latest from Amsterdam. Also, I want to mention the FX podcast that is out today with Mike talking to Kerry Pulley, Nvidia's Senior Director of Research about computational photography. Kerry is ex Nokia and discusses the Franken Camera project. And finally, you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash So, until next time, I'm Angie. See ya! For more industry news, in-depth features, podcasts and forums, check out fxguide.com. And for visual effects training, check out fxphd.com.